Hello, welcome to Jewel Says. I'm very excited because this weekend I get to see Catherine, Violet, Fena, Bobby. We're all celebrating Bobby's birthday. I'm glad Bobby was born. If he hadn't been born, I wouldn't have Fred, I wouldn't have Fena. And I do want my daughter to be happy. People are sometimes surprised that I don't actually know Bobby all that well. But when the kids were teens and dating, he didn't really have a lot to say to me. I I wouldn't say he was avoiding me, but he wasn't hanging around the house too much. And that could be because Catherine didn't want to hang around the house too much. I have no idea. I do think I was a bit of an embarrassment to her for a while there. But when he came to my son-in-law Alan's birthday party, shortly after he and Catherine reconnected, before they were married, I asked him, now that you're a grown man... Do you still go by Bobby, or do you prefer Bob or Robert? And for some reason, Alan thought that was the most hilarious thing to ask someone. I think it's a fair question. Anyway, he assured me he still goes by Bobby. Some people call him BK, but I still call him Bobby. Bobby? Bobby Kutstra? Or sometimes I call him Dada, because the children are around. Something I've been thinking about quite a bit lately is getting a dog. I always assumed I'd get a dog after I retired, but I'm not comfortable with the term retire because even though I know it's not usually the case, very often people who are quote-unquote retired say they're busier than they ever were and they don't know how they had time to work. But I feel as though there's a, there is a connotation of stopping, of, I don't know, sitting in a rocking chair. So when I quote-unquote retire, the plan is to transition to things I am not good at, at least not good enough at, to make any money. But lately, I kind of feel sad. It's not that I feel lonely. I I don't even know what it is. It's almost like a low-level anxiety. However, if there's one thing I know about dogs, they're able to completely elevate your mood. I'll never forget that year. I don't know why I felt so sad. I was still in Sarnia. It was before I had moved to Toronto. And when I arrived home from work one day, Joanne's pug, Butters, greeted me with exuberant joy. And I was struck in that moment at how much happier I felt. This is kind of how I feel when I have time alone and I get to listen to music and just sing along with no judgment. And I think my happiness was even more pronounced because I didn't know he was there until I saw him. So it was a real treat. And I loved Butters. I love Carrie's dog, Money, even though he barks more than we'd like. He's excruciatingly territorial around Carrie. And he marks territory. He has to wear a male wrap when he's at my house. And I also love Catherine's dogs so much. If I don't see them for a while, I miss them. I love them, even though Manny usually rolls in something gross to make himself stink. Even though I've had to retrieve him so many times, because he can Houdini out of that back garden. And he doesn't seem to do it for anyone but me. Maybe he doesn't like me. Or maybe he enjoys the chase. I have no idea. And Meg Ryan, she just loves a good time. She will reliably bring you a toy to play with. She is a true good-time gal, kind of like Auntie Carrie. And Cardi. Cardi's just beautiful. She's lithe, silky, playful. She chases balls and fetches them, which the other dogs, they're not really into balls. 
but Cardi's a ball lover. Abe and I really do both love dogs. We sometimes dog sit for people, which really helps us fully understand what we want in a dog, if we ever decide to get one. One of our nieces desperately begged her parents for years to get a dog to no avail. What did she do? She became her neighborhood dog walker. She has several customers on her list. She's making some money. And recently she mailed me in the snail mail. I love getting mail from her. She's also my little pen pal. She mailed me a list of her dogs, ranked from most to least favorite, and the dogs love her. She gets her dog fix in. She learns all about the responsibility of a dog without her parents having the cost and responsibility of dog ownership. I think that's a win-win. It's a sweet deal. Just like dog sitting, the best of both worlds. My family had dogs when I was really little, I'm told, though I don't remember. I was only two years old. But apparently our dog Casey used to crouch beside the couch or in front of the couch for me so that I could step up on him to climb onto the couch. Then I would head over to the end table where I would sing and dance. At some point... I don't remember when he passed away. I was so little. But at some point, we did have another dog. I think he was some kind of a hound mix. His name was Buster. One day when I was about four, he was sleeping on the couch, minding his own business, not doing anything wrong, when I decided to put my face up to his. And I actually do remember this, even though I was about four. I remember my face level with his, looking at him. And thinking, well, I'm just going to talk to him. Maybe if I growl and bark, he'll understand me. And I wasn't growling or barking at him insanely or anything. I just kind of looked at him. He was asleep. And then I would softly go. And he'd kind of half open his eyes and growl back. So in my mind, I thought our little dog conversation was going well. So I kept it up, not realizing that a dog's growl means back off. Finally, Buster had had enough, and he hit me in the face with his paw. I thought he had bitten my face, but my mom said he actually just hit me in the face with his paw. And I was shocked and hurt, and and I screamed because I thought he had bitten my face. His claws were long enough, too, that it did draw blood. The next thing I remember is my father kicking him repeatedly, which even at the time broke my heart. And it still does when I picture it now. I felt so guilty, even at that age, for getting him in that much trouble. I didn't want him to get kicked. My parents didn't keep him after that. And I never knew whether they found him a new home, sent him to a shelter, or gave him away, or what happened. Or had him euthanized, I have no idea. I think I was afraid to ask. And I don't think he was a puppy when they got him. Plus, I had a two-year-old little brother, so they must have decided that Buster could not be trusted around small children. And maybe he could have been. Maybe I shouldn't have just been left there long enough, growling at this poor dog when he was just trying to have a nap. But even though I felt guilty, I was really afraid of dogs after that. I wasn't... I was definitely not the most outgoing or confident child to begin with, so fear of dogs really added insult to injury. One morning, though, when I was, I think, yeah, I was eight years old, we came downstairs to a puppy in the kitchen. 
She was white with two big brown spots on her back, brown ears, brown markings on her face, kind of a Springer Spaniel face, freckles on her snout, but obviously some kind of mixed breed. She was a Heinz 57, my parents said. Dorothy was fuming. She did not want a puppy. Ted had been out getting hammered with some friends the night before, and he ended up drinking at his one friend, Don Dooley's house, I think. The Dooleys had a lot of children. That's all I remember about them. And we had Patrick Dooley stay with us for some extended period of time when he was still in a crib. Between baby and toddler stage, his mother was sick. I have no idea what was wrong with her. But looking back, I feel so badly for this little boy. He didn't know us or even know my mom that well. It had to have been terrifying for a little kid that age to be at our house without his brothers and sisters and mom. I guess they had a dog who had puppies, and with no consultation with Dorothy, after quite a few drinks, Ted arrived home from Dawn's in the middle of the night with one of the puppies. Dorothy was not pleased. He's getting rid of her today, she insisted. Even though this was a very tiny puppy, I was afraid of her. She chased our feet and nipped at our heels. I got over my fear pretty quickly, though. It so happens that Dorothy also loves dogs, and dogs love Dorothy. So, of course, she relented, and we ended up keeping the puppy. But what should we call her? Ted was sleeping on the couch, his usual post when he wasn't watching TV or sitting at the kitchen table with a drink— And we discussed names for her. It didn't occur to us that Ted was even listening. Cleopatra, he said, not even opening his eyes. We looked at him. We liked it. Cleo it was. Apparently, this is not unlike how I got my name. My mom told me she was thinking maybe Bernadette would be nice, but was still toying with options. And of course, in those days, you didn't know if you were having a girl or a boy until you were actually born, so it's not like they had anything lined up. But apparently Ted, without even looking up from the newspaper he was reading, said, Julianne. Dorothy liked it, and it was done. He'd been reading the obituaries, which means I was named after an anonymous dead woman. But Cleo? She was named after an Egyptian queen. I have audiobooks available on iTunes and Audible. Most of them are geared to teens and preteens. There's the Alora Science Fiction Mystery Series and the Hannah and Tamar Mystery Series. An audiobook might be a nice option for a preteen to lull themselves into a nice sleep instead of looking at screens. My short-lived fear was quickly replaced by the deepest knots-in-my-heart love I had ever felt. I gazed at her in awe of her beauty. I had a hard time not constantly kissing and hugging her. I breathed in the beautiful scent of her furry head and ears. I talked to her. I sang to her. She slept under my covers with me every night. I could not fathom how I could have been afraid of her, how I could ever love anyone as much as I loved that dog. Little did I know that I was training to be a mother. I gazed at my babies, enthralled with their stunning beauty. I had a hard time not constantly kissing and hugging them. God damn it, Julie, my mother would say. Stop kissing that baby. You're going to wear a hole in her head. 
I breathed deeply the beautiful scent of their fuzzy, round heads. I do love a round-headed baby. I talked to them. I read to them. I sang to them. I couldn't help it. I would have had them sleep with me if it hadn't been so frowned upon at the time. I'd never heard of attachment parenting. I read Dr. Spock. But when I was a little girl, Cleo was my baby. I asked my mother once whether she loved us as much as she loved Cleo. She also clearly loved this dog extraordinarily, and she said, I love you more than Cleo. I was sure she had to be lying to spare my feelings. How could anyone love us as much as Cleo? But, I protested, we aren't even cute. I think you're really cute, she assured me. But we aren't even furry. I was unconvinced, and she was not going to be able to convince me otherwise. There was no way anyone could love a non-furry child as much as a dog. Plus, I knew I was goony-looking. I had those those new front teeth, and ugh, I was just very awkward-looking at that age. How could she think I was cute? Of course, now I think children are adorable in those toothless and then big front-toothed phases and everything in between. As stunningly beautiful as Cleo was to me. She is evidence that beauty truly is in the eyes of the beholder. I'm not blind to what she actually looked like. She had skinny legs. I happen to love skinny legs, but they were disproportionately skinny for her rotund body. Dorothy loved giving her treats. I loved giving her treats and teaching her tricks. As she aged, her eyes became watery and a bit bloodshot. Ted used to say she looked like a Yorkshire pig. Her head did look really small for her body. The first time my friend Judy met her, she actually recoiled at the front door and said, Jules, your dog looks like something from a horror show. That was a knife in my heart. How dare she? The other day, I saw an unflattering picture of myself. We have a gadget that cycles through pictures, and I have a bad habit of saying, Abe, for God's sake, delete that picture. What the hell? What? He said. That picture is terrible. Please delete it. It's not a terrible picture, Julie. Stop it. That's all in your head. Which, to be fair, could be true, even though I do think this was a particularly horrific pic. I kind of looked like something from a horror show. But I said to him, Aw, I'm your Cleo. And he knew exactly what I meant. I'm so lucky he gets me. Of course, I loved Cleo so much that she genuinely did look beautiful to me, even though I could break down what she looked like like I just did. She just looked beautiful to me, and I was heartbroken when she died. I was expecting Catherine at the time, and I still didn't know yet that I could love a human baby even more than that dog. I've since had other dogs in my adult life, and though I loved them, I loved none as much as I had loved Cleo. Not even Jake, or Jacques as I liked to call him, the American Cocker Spaniel we had when my children were young. I talked to Jacques. I sang to him. I tried running with him, but he would often step right in front of me and stop dead, whereupon I would fly right over him onto my hands and knees. He could really be infuriating. I kissed his head until his chronic ear issues became so problematic that he just smelled rank. He was a stubborn, naughty, naughty, handsome dog 
who had no qualms about moving a chair to get up on the table or counter in search of scraps. Some might say he was doggone impossible. Catherine made a commercial when she was still in elementary school featuring Jacques for a doggone impossible cleaning product. I'll I'll share the link if I can find it. That commercial was brilliant. She didn't have the computer equipment they have today. She basically had to do this with, uh, I think, either an 8mm or a VHS camcorder and then plug the stereo into the VCR to put music over it. It was really quite an effort without the technology we have now. Catherine used to sing not to the dog, but about the dog. The song that comes to mind is Mon petit chien, il est un diable. Mon petit chien, il grimpe sur la table. I'm sure there was more to that song, but I only remember that bit. And it was funny because it was true. He was a little devil who jumped up onto the table. So even though Abe and I are confident that we would fall in love with a dog if we had one, we're just not sure that we are ready for that kind of responsibility. Have I grown into a selfish prick? Maybe. I've been looking at rescue sites with some specific criteria in mind. If we get a dog, it has to be the right fit. And Abe and I do not take this kind of decision lightly. But are our criteria a bit much, though? We are a bit spoiled. We really like not having fur floating around the house. And I already swiffer almost every day because I get annoyed with the dust. So our ideal dog isn't going to shed. Even though we still work remotely, for the most part, we're very busy when we're busy, so maybe we should get an adult dog. A dog who's already house-trained might be better for us than a puppy. Puppies take so much work the first few months especially. And we have a house, but it's not a huge house. It's narrow. The houses in our neighborhood almost look like little slices because we're in a bit of an urban area. So we have three stories plus the basement, but it's really narrow. The stairs all have open risers, which, I don't know, a large dog might feel crowded. Bo Brocklehurst, a Newfoundlander who weighs probably 185 pounds, has been to our house and he had to squeeze between the table and the wall. It's tight. And you can see on his face how uncomfortable he is with the narrowness of our rooms. When he first walked in the door, he surveyed the room with with trepidation. It took some coaxing to even get him to come away from the door. So I think maybe we should stick to a small or a medium dog. But small dogs tend to bark a lot. We really don't want an anxious barker. Abe would go bananas. So we have to go medium, I think. Yeah, I, I think... Cleo-sized. Jacques was also a medium dog. Nice size. Cocker spaniel. Didn't shed. I had to have him groomed. But he was so stubborn. And even though we don't have small children living here, we do have grandchildren and we have friends who have children who visit. So any dog that we have needs to be trustworthy around small children. Although I would make sure I didn't leave a four-year-old alone with a dog long enough for a buster incident to happen... But sometimes it only takes a minute with your back turned if a dog is anxious and if the child is too handsy. A lot of children don't understand they need to back off the dog. So I've been looking on rescue sites and the Toronto Humane Society 
And it appears that a lot of the dogs available happen to be large. And they shed. Many of the dogs are not recommended to be around children, which I guess makes sense because if someone's giving up a dog, maybe they didn't realize how big the dog was going to get. Maybe they didn't really understand the magnitude of responsibility having a dog entails. One sweet girl had been very ill. Obviously, her owners didn't bother with heartworm medication and other things, and she had one of her legs amputated. Of course, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I want you to come be with me, but wouldn't that be difficult for her with all those stairs? I think it might. So maybe we're just not ready yet. Do I want to get up early in the morning to take the dog out, even on weekends? I do not. Maybe I'll get a dog like our friends, Holly and Satish's dog, Snoop. He'll sleep until 9 a.m. if you let him. But there's no way to be sure you're getting a Snoop. That just, that was luck. Abe does not want a dog sleeping on our bed, and I don't think I would anymore either. Sure, dogs can be crate trained. They apparently even like their crates. It feels like a safe den to them. All Snoop needs, though, is a mat. He has zero interest in getting into bed with you. He's the first dog we've ever dog sat who just wasn't interested. But what if we get a dog who cries through the night? I've had that. A dog who desperately wants to be in the bed. Not only that, our backyard is 100% paving stone. We'd have to take the dog out front on a leash every single time she needed to relieve herself. We can't just open the door and let her out into the yard. So I don't know. I just don't know. I looked at cats, too. We love cats, but cats shed. They tear up your furniture. You need a place for a litter box. Some of my loved ones are allergic to cats, so I don't think that's going to work. Bunnies. The Humane Society has bunnies available for adoption. Bunnies can be litter trained, but it turns out you need to demonstrate that you have some huge area for a bunny enclosure before they'll even let you have them. I mean, it makes sense. It's not a complaint. You don't want the poor things living in a tiny cage for their entire lives. What kind of life is that? But bunnies are not as low maintenance as you might think. Hopefully you did not get a bunny for Easter that you're not going to keep. But I will keep looking, even though I suspect at this point we are just too selfish and we're probably not going to do it, at least not in the near future. But I also know that no one will ever love you like a dog. Well, your mother loves you more than a dog loves you, but a dog has fewer expectations than your mother has. The dog will think you're the bomb, no matter what you do. And I think that is worth the responsibility. We shall see. Thank you for listening. Jules Says is produced, written, recorded, and edited by me, Jules. If you have anything you'd like to share, email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. Please share this podcast. For those of you who've reviewed it, thank you. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great weekend. I know I will.